This is Sighting Africa. Welcome to the first episode of this series from the LSE Firozlaji Center for Africa. My name is Siebemir Willoughby. For decades, questions have been raised about the way knowledge about African countries is sourced, produced, disseminated and taught. In recent years, these debates have evolved into protests spreading from Cape Town to Oxford and beyond. the site in Africa podcast series, we will investigate the inequalities of the international education and research system, its impact on Africa-based academics, and current efforts to bring about change. In this first episode, we will be talking about the lack of representation by Africa-based scholars in international journals. To get to the bottom of this issue, we have invited individuals who have conducted quantitative studies to investigate. This dearth affects the reading lists that university teachers put together for African and Development Studies courses, and in turn, the knowledge that is transmitted to students all across the world. A recent study has shown that despite an increase in submissions by Africa-based academics to the top international African studies journals, acceptance rates are on the decline, as researcher Sarah Cummins told us. 43 percent of the authors came from the USA and the UK combined, 43% from other developed countries, and only 14% from the developing countries themselves. And for those Africa-based scholars who do get published in international journals, there is yet another stumbling block, according to researcher Ryan Briggs. Not only were Africa-based academics seeing lower acceptance rates, but then when their work was published, it was being cited less. And publisher Elizabeth Walker has definite ideas on how we can change the current status quo. We just need more integrated conversations with African voices, voices from, from the Global South, and to think about different ways, tangible ways, in which we can move away from these sort of Western models. The starting point of this series is to investigate why acceptance rates for Africa-based academics in top international journals are falling and what can be done to reverse that trend. In recent years, there have been a number of studies investigating this. Sarah Cummins, a social entrepreneur and a researcher focusing on the role of knowledge in international development, is one person who has been looking into this. She has been investigating how many academics from developing countries feature as authors in 10 well-known international development studies journals from 2012 to 2014. What I found was really, I mean, in my view, quite shocking, really, I think, um, particularly in the field of development studies, which really is focused on development. So what I found in the top 10 journals I studied was that 43% of the authors came from the USA and the UK combined, 43% from other developed countries, 
and only 14% from the developing countries themselves. And um, for Africa, this was obviously not very many authorships. So there was, for example, the most highly represented South African country was South Africa with 52 authorships. And this compares to the USA with 660 and the UK with 550. So you can see there's a huge difference. Sarah and her co-author Paul Hoibing also investigated the makeup of the editorial boards of these same journals. The picture was actually even worse from the perspective of responsibility and inclusion in my view. So I looked at the 10 journals and in total there were 329 editorial board members and 62% of these were from the USA and the UK, 31% were from other developed countries and only 9% were for the, from the developing countries themselves. So you had four editorial board members from South Africa, three from Ghana, two from Zimbabwe and one from Uganda. And actually what was I think even sh more shocking really from the perspective of diversity and equity was 70% of the editorial board members were men. Some very stark statistics there from the study conducted by Sarah Cummings and Paul Hoibing. Our site in Africa researchers have also been examining the editorial boards of leading African and development studies journals, and they have also found that a surprisingly low number of them featured scholars based within African countries. The exceptions were the Agrarian South, based in Zimbabwe, and the Journal of Eastern African Literary and Cultural Studies, based in Nairobi. Many journals feel the pressure to contribute more to the decolonization agenda by transforming their editorial boards or increasing the number of Africa-based reviewers. However, it has been moving very slowly. Let's hear now from Ryan Briggs, assistant professor at the University of Guelph in Canada. Along with Scott Weathers, he looked into how authorship for women and Africa-based authors in two African studies journals changed over a period of 20 years from 1993 to 2013. To start with the positive, we saw the share of women in these two journals rise from about 15 to 20 percent in the early 90s to right around half by 2013. The uh, more negative news is over the same time period, the share of Africa-based academics publishing in these journals fell from about 25 percent to 15 percent. You know, this could be happening because of declining submission rates. You know, it's possible that people just were sending their work elsewhere, or it could be declining acceptance rates. It's fairly difficult to test this because it's not common to get data on article submissions. That includes like the institution, but the Journal of Modern African Studies admirably tracks this data and they shared it from the period 1997 until 2012, the share of all submissions to JMAS by Africa-based scholars grew from about 30% to about 40%. And so if that result generalizes, if that's the same case for African Affairs or other journals, then this is fairly strong evidence that the decline in articles being published by Africa-based scholars is not happening because these scholars are trying to publish elsewhere. It's happening because acceptance rates are really low and falling. So is this phenomenon unique to the social sciences? Or is there a similar trend in the fields of science and engineering? Sarah Cummins can shed some light on this. 
There was a paper by um, Dadu Agubas and some colleagues from 2013, and he was looking at almost 3,000 articles from the current contents database, which were based on research in 48 developing countries. And what he found was that actually 70% of these um, papers focusing on 48 developing countries didn't have authors from the country itself. And what was really interesting, I think, was that the life sciences were doing really a lot better than the social sciences, where in which would include political sciences. And this was a bit of conundrum to them. And actually, there were a couple of things they mentioned. One of them is they did a questionnaire survey of these social sciences. And all of the social sciences were talking about their research of these developing countries as development corporations. So they saw it as contributing to development. And another interesting factor is that they reached the conclusion that the situation in the life sciences, and in particularly health, was a lot better because there were formal collaborations between institutions, but also there's a board of medical editors who are really concerned with these issues. Routledge Taylor & Francis is one of the world's leading publishers of scholarly books and journals. I spoke to Elizabeth Walker, publisher of the African Studies portfolio at the company. She has been finding out whether the results of the studies conducted by Sarah Cummings and Ryan Briggs match what is going on within the Routledge, Taylor & Francis stable of journals. What we see from the Routledge, Taylor & Francis data is a little bit of a mixed picture. To a certain extent, yes, um, the data does corroborate um, what we've heard from Sarah and Ryan. However, there are some journals within our African Studies portfolio which are bucking the trend somewhat. For example, Review of African Political Economy, which we publish, has seen an increase not only in submissions from the region, but also in acceptances, major revisions and minor revisions. Um, it's not a huge increase, but when looking at the periods um, 2016 to 2018, the increase um, is about 2%, so it's gone from 10% to 12%. However, Elizabeth raised a concern about the scope of these studies. We do need to take a wider view on, on this question. Um, and what I mean by that is that I think many of the studies that we see published and which we, you know, we're discussing are looking at um, journals which are published and managed, if you like, by editorial teams which are based in the, the North, so UK, North America, Europe and so on. And one of the things that we're aware of within our African Studies team is that it's problematic to think in that way. Um, about which journals are important and which are the esteemed journals. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a certain amount to be said about the realities of publishing in academia there, but I think that is a problematic model. I haven't seen very many studies where African-based, African studies journals are part of the analysis. And, of course, at Routledge, we, we do publish many of those. Um, African Studies, for example, the Journal of Contemporary African Studies, Social Dynamics. And we also publish a portfolio of journals based in Africa across a variety of disciplines, so not just African Studies, but other social science and humanities disciplines and scientific, technical, medical disciplines. I read a very interesting article recently by Peace Medi and Alice Kang 
in the European Journal of Politics and Gender. It was called Power, Knowledge and the Politics of Gender in the Global South. And I think one of the interesting findings in that article was that Africa-based gender politics journals were more inclusive than their northern counterparts. And I think, in, in summary, that's really also what we see um, with, the, with the Routledge Taylor and Francis portfolio, where we have been proactive and working with editorial boards to recruit editorial board members and peer reviewers on the ground, we're seeing better results in terms of um, diversity. Sarah Cummings? We shouldn't start thinking that um, the journals based in the Global South are only for researchers from the Global South, sorry I put that a bit bluntly, and that the Northern journals are for Northern scholars because many of these fields are international fields and we know that um, lots of the African scholars we know also from Ryan's research that they are trying to get into these journals too. So it, it, it is a really important issue. And I also think we have to recognise, you know, we have to ask ourselves, what is international development? And international development or sort of development is not something that people from outside can do to a society. It needs to have the full involvement of local academics too. And one of the things that Dagubas says, the importance of the local academic imagination. So these should be key people involved in international publications too. Elizabeth Walker. I certainly hope that I didn't imply that there was a sort of two-tier um, system of, of journal publishing, certainly not am amongst the portfolio um, at Routledge. What I would say is that we are working with our editorial teams, both the editors of the journals we publish and the editorial boards, to, to engage in that, in that conversation and to, to help build that social network that, that you're referring to in terms of running um, lots of workshops um, in the region, which are a collaborative affair between the publisher, the, the boards themselves and local scholars. And even when Africa-based academics are published in international journals, there is no guarantee that their work is valued as it should be by peers in the global north, Ryan Briggs explains. What we saw in our citation analysis was that not only were Africa-based academics seeing lower acceptance rates, but then when their work was published, it was being cited uh, less than, than the work by academics that are based outside of the continent. And it's a little bit tough to know why this is happening. One thing that we tried to do to understand if, uh, if authors were writing on different topics was to look at titles and the words in titles and see if academics that were based in Africa and based outside of Africa were using different title words. And when we did this, we had uh, a really stark result come out, and it's that African academics were much more likely than academics based elsewhere to use country names in their titles, right? So specific countries. And a lot of the other words that were very unique to that group focused on political parties, so like names of political parties. And academics based outside of Africa were much more likely to use words that hinted at topics on the economy or governance or conflict. And the most unique word for academics outside of Africa was just Africa, which to us was um, a little bit disappointing, um, darkly humorous, and kind of relates back to that joke that, you know, academics outside of Africa will, will create titles 
that go blah, 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 blah in Africa. Sarah Cummings. Academia is a social network. And one of the reasons possibly that the African scholars are not being cited as much is that they're not in that network. And that would also explain why they're getting more rejections. So we, I mean, the idea that um, academia is based purely on quality, I think is really something that we, you know, I have to ask ourselves critical questions about. Because, for example, when I get a paper to review, when I look at the references, I really roughly know who's written it when it's in my field. So, you know, let's remember it's a social network and we need to, African scholars need to have access not only to these publications because it's really important for their prestige and for their employment opportunities, but also they need to be part of the social network which is discussing the development of their own countries. Elizabeth Walker. I would agree that I think we need to do some more digging into the data with that. Um, so I did have a quick look at citations to journals in area studies as a category um, with African co-authors, so if there was one or more author who was based at an African institution. And that number is rising, um, but again, it's not rising to the extent that I think we'd all like to see. So I think, again, more, more digging into that data, because I think I'd like to do a comparison between those figures that I have and also to check, that, you know, citations to area studies content are increasing generally and to see whether that those numbers really are meaningful. Through studies conducted by Ryan Briggs, Sarah Cummings and their research colleagues, we have established that there is a decline in acceptance rates for Africa-based authors in international journals. Even when they do get published, they are cited less by academics from other continents. What impact does this have for academics and the educational system in Africa? Let's hear from Sarah Cummings. It does weaken African studies and development studies as well. And what are the costs? I think it, if you think that um, the educational system in Africa, just like in other parts of the world, needs to also have scholars who are involved in research, I think there's possibility that this is weakened too. Elizabeth Walker. One of the things that we think about quite often is, you know, what sort of signal are we sending to the next generation of researchers, both in the North and in Africa or in, in any other region in the world? Um, and, you know, it's important to get the right messages to them if they can see that their, their peers or their professors, their teachers are publishing in leading journals and are being cited. You know, that, that sends a positive um, message to them about knowledge production and, you know, who has the right to be producing knowledge. There is more and more awareness of these issues. And as Sarah Cummins told me, efforts are underway to reverse the decline in acceptance rates among Africa-based academics. The European Association for Development Research and Training Institute, which is an important body in Europe, really for European development studies, um, partly as a reaction to my article, which was published in their journal, they have started something called a journal, journal mentoring programme called JUMP, where they're supporting young Southern researchers to write articles for their journal. And the other thing that they are planning on doing is setting up an editor's committee 
because I think the existence of an editors committee in the health field has shown that this can be really effective. And I think it's really important to look for these sort of structural solutions. This is just one initiative though. Surely there needs to be more change on a wider level for more impact? Let's hear from Elizabeth Walker. We need to gather more data on this. Um, I think Ryan mentioned it is quite difficult to get data at the journal level. We find it easier, for example, within our programme where journals are using electronic submission systems because then you can track number of articles coming in, you can track them through the peer review process. Again, as Ryan said, it's quite important because we can see that submissions are increasing, but can we dig a little bit deeper into that peer review um, process and find out you know why are they being rejected perhaps at that stage um, and actually we just need more integrated conversations with African voices voices from from the global south and um, to think about different ways tangible ways w which we can move away from these sort of western models um, I don't think it is always a problem you know there are issues to do with access but I don't think it's always a problem of access a lot of it is a question of what well, you know who is defining what quality is who is defining what is rejected and what you know what is a quality paper. Ryan Briggs? It's resources um, and it's resources on on a lot of dimensions but you can collapse a lot of them into money and when I when I look around in Canada or the US and I see who's publishing it's pretty obvious that people that have access to large amounts of research funding at an institutional level, um, people who have lower teaching loads and have more time, these are the people that are publishing the most and it's a little bit hard to figure out cause and effect here, but I would be shocked if access to more money and more time wasn't important. And I imagine that this generalizes across the world and across disciplines. And so inequalities in resources I think are just very likely to manifest themselves as inequalities in publishing. So more money, time, integrated social networks, and of course, more digging into the journal submissions data. These are just some suggestions from our panelists to address the issue of low acceptance rates in international journals. As the Site in Africa series progresses, we will be addressing some of these subjects in greater depth. Thanks to Ryan Briggs, Sarah Cummins and Elizabeth Walker for their insights in this episode. In the next Sight in Africa podcast, we will discuss how knowledge about Africa is consumed and valued in the global north and south by looking in particular at the Development Studies curriculum. Thank you for listening to Sight in Africa. Sight in Africa was funded by the LSE Knowledge Exchange and Impact Fund, the LSE Department of International Development and the Review of African Political Economy Journal.